So what if it's personal? We're all persons, right? We're all dealing with personal stuff. Hi, you're listening to Looks Like Work. I'm your host, Ged McLeanler, and yeah, it's the least pronounceable name you've ever heard, but you'll get used to it. I'm a serial entrepreneur who's obsessed with curiosity, creativity, and grit, and that's just to get started. I really can't get enough of learning more about people's career choices. What fulfills them? How do they deal with burnout, with heartbreak? How do they protect their boundaries? And is it all even working? Those are questions that keep me up at night and I hope to explore here. On this podcast, we'll have deep conversations with entrepreneurs, artists, people juggling a few jobs, sometimes even a few industries, sharing what looks like work for them. With that, on to the episode. I really hope you'll enjoy it. Hi, everyone. Me here. This one's going to be a little different, uh, not only because it's a solo episode, but also because of the topic. Today, I want to talk about suffering. <laughs> I know it sounds like a huge and very dramatic topic, but hear me out. So I'm recording this in July 2022, in case you're listening to it sometime, I don't know, a decade in the future, or even two weeks in the future. And it's a difficult time for a lot of people. I know we're kind of already used to difficult times by this point, right, since 2020, and maybe we're also used to downplaying it, saying, oh, okay, we've gotten through the pandemic. What is this now? We've gotten through a lot of political crazies. What is this now? But it is, it is a difficult time for a lot of people. SCOTUS overturning Roe, political upheaval, lots of people losing their jobs in, in tech, and I imagine maybe in other industries as well. Inflation, so many things. And also, I don't know, I feel like those things also tend to bring up all the personal stuff uh, for everyone. And this one, this is one that's completely personal, but I really hate the summer. I know this is highly unrelatable, but summer really brings the worst in me. It's just much harder to deal with things when it's sunny and bright. I know, again, it's unrelatable, but I just feel there's this harsh, difficult kind of feeling around. Some of it is directly tied to real important, serious situations happening in the world, locally and globally. And some of it is just personal, but you know, we're all, so what if it's personal? We're all persons, right? We're all dealing with those personal stuff. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling shades of 2020. My situation is nowhere close to where I was in 2020. It's much better, thank God. I have a stable financial situation. I have a stable business. Not in the middle of um, immune system problematic medical treatments, but still a lot of, <laughs> a lot of what's happening is really reminding me of 2020 and it's not, it's not doing anything good to me. I don't know. Can you relate? Are you feeling the same thing or are you feeling something close to that? 
I have to say one of the things that really made me feel so much better <laughs> was just a, a TikTok video by uh, Color Me Lovely uh, on TikTok, which I who usually I, I uh, follow her because she has really hilarious takes on PR crises. And she just did a video about how everyone is losing it and ev like nobody is having a fun time and it made me feel less alone. So maybe hearing this, uh, maybe it makes you think I'm completely overreacting and who is this sad sob and why I'm listening to her podcast. Or maybe it just makes you feel less alone. And, and if that, you know, if one person feels less alone, then you know what? It was worth it. So anyway, beyond like just complaining and venting, my point here is that it's a difficult time and a lot of us are going through the ringer, some of us much more than others. And it's important to acknowledge that, you know, I'm a deeply and massively optimistic person. You don't get to be an entrepreneur without being so optimistic. You don't get to uh, record a podcast episode at 9.10 when you have to be out of the house and at 9.30 without being <laughs> massively optimistic or maybe slightly delusional person, uh, right? And as someone who's so optimistic, and I think who was also raised to be so optimistic, it's hard. It's hard to feel hard feelings because you kind of have not only to deal with the hard feeling itself, but also with the guilt about it. And also, hey, what's happening? Why am I feeling that part of it? But sometimes you just have to sit in the suck and wallow as the very wise Lorelai Gilmore said, sometimes you just have to wallow. And yes, I'm a huge uh, Gilmore Girls fan. This reminds me of a time a few years ago, I have this autoimmune disease called Graves' disease, uh, which is actually in your thyroid, but a lot of times uh, affects your eyes. I actually have an eye appointment today. So maybe that's reminding me of it. But a few years ago, my eyes got so bad that I could barely see, even though like my sight was 2020. It was perfect just because of the effects of this grave ophthalmology situation. And I was so mad at myself because I was saying, hey, my sight is 2020. My thyroid is doing much better. I'm like feeling great except for my eyes why can't I do my job that time I was at that time I was the CEO of uh, a startup emerge and I was like I, I'm tired all the time I can't concentrate I let alone I would be like <laughs> I would be on work trips and I would be able to see uh really the the, the name of, of the street on a street sign but that's another thing why am not I'm not doing the job am I just spoiled am I like what's what's happening and I went to my doctor and I was just like crying so much like crying uncontrollably in her office and she was like other people in your situation they're not working when they're dealing with that. You're like working in almost like your full capacity and you're mad at yourself for like being a little bit slower. And I'm not telling this story in order to glorify myself. Like I think the opposite, I should have just rested. I'm telling the story because I think the point of it to me is that sometimes you just need to acknowledge that you're suffering and you're not going to be 
doing your best work. You're not going to be the best friend out there. You're, you're probably not going to be the best parent. Maybe you're still going to be an amazing parent, but not you're not going to be able to hold yourself to your standards across the different situations in life. And one thing that is, is so small, it's so tiny, but for me, it really kind of drove the point uh, with this is actually during the pandemic, I started doing a lot of yoga uh, after not having done any yoga in my life. All of it thanks to the Yoga with Adrian channel on YouTube. I just like really, really got into it. It really was helping me to be less fidgety and take a minute and connect to my body and not to my brain. And I can go on and on about that. And maybe we will do an episode <laughs> uh, with someone who knows more about yoga than I do. But anyway, Adrienne on her YouTube channel, she has lots of different, like each uh, video has a different title, of course, probably also for SEO reasons. And one of the videos was called Yoga for Suffering. And I'm not going to even go into how empathetic and like how beautifully she talks in the caption for the video and in the beginning of the video itself about like, hey, we're here for you if you're suffering. But I don't even like just having that title out there and say, hey, this is a yoga practice for you if you're suffering. Just saying, it's okay to say that you're suffering. It's okay to say that you're going through something. It's okay to say it's a rough patch, but it's also okay to talk about it a little bit more deeply and really go into your feelings and say, no, I'm really, it's hard. I'm suffering. I know I keep repeating that word, but I feel like that word feels always felt to me like so dramatic. So like, why are you blowing this up? Okay, it's a rough patch. Everyone's going through a rough, rough patch. Like, you know, we have like this tendency to downplay stuff like this. No, it's okay to sit in the suck and acknowledge that you're going through something. Acknowledge the pain, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. Acknowledge the distress. Acknowledge the sadness. Acknowledge the suffering, the, the all-encompassing suffering. And yes, you could still be suffering and also laughing and joking and doing your job. And it's okay. And it still doesn't take away from the fact that you are suffering and you are entitled to feel your feelings and to acknowledge them and to, to give yourself a big hug, right? So, I don't know, just that thought, it was so meaningful to me. And again, I don't know if I'm the only person on earth that, that is relevant for, but even if there's just one more person who's listening to this or whose friend is listening to this and will then talk to them about that, you know what? That's worth all the rest of you <laughs> saying, like, what's happening with Khadva? So anyway, if you're suffering or if you're going through a rough patch, how, how does that, how does sitting in the stuck and wallowing and letting yourself be in that moment look for you? Is it... Is it watching a ton of like early 2000s rom-coms? Is it reading a lot of books? Is it crying a lot in bed? Is it talking to fr your friends all the time? Is it not talking to your friends at all? 
I know for me, a lot of times I'm like I'm very social and I love my friends, but sometimes when I'm going through it, I just, I can't talk to anyone. Is that, is that what, what happens for you? So you talk to me, you can, you can tell me on Instagram and I will try to actually write a newsletter at this time. So you can tell me in the comments, what does it look like for you? It's okay. It could be different for everyone else or I don't know. I have a feeling that it actually goes into like pretty similar buckets for a lot of people, but we all think we're so unique. But really take a, take a page out of uh, Lorelai Gilmore's book and let yourself wallow a little bit. Pause because I just feel like it's okay to take a minute and think about it. And maybe feel, feel your feelings, right? So what does it have to do with work? What are you talking about suffering? Okay, so I think nothing and everything. We keep talking here on these like super inspiring conversations with super inspiring people about bringing your whole self to work, right? Being your full self, bringing different corners and shades and directions in your life using them to as a well for your creative work also shedding light on different parts of you but that also means that when you're suffering when you're sad when you're angry when you're going through a rough patch that also means that's also going to be part of your work and I think it's really, really important to acknowledge that. Are you going to be productive to your full capacity? Maybe you're going to be even more productive than usual because you're gonna be like looking for an outlet or maybe not. Are you going to be as sunny and nice and shiny to everyone? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Are you going to be as communicative? Are you going to be able to just make small talk? That's part of work too, right? Especially for us people working in marketing and in sales and customer success and all those people facing stuff. But even, you know, if you're an engineer or a coder, programmer or anything, you're still, you're still, you still got to talk to people as part of your job, right? So I think that's really important to acknowledge and also important to normalize, even though I, I really hate the word normalize with gutso. But it's important to normalize communicating that to your manager, to your team members, to your colleagues. Hey, I'm going through something. I might be slower. I may not be as sunny. It has nothing to do with you. (laughs) It's just me. Uh, I think as a manager, I would appreciate it so, so much. What do you think? Do you have language to even use? to talk and to communicate about those rough patches with people you work with. And I think it may be hard for like internally inside a team, but of course it's could be even more challenging when you're talking to clients or to people who are like more high up uh, if you're in-house, if you're in corporate or something like that. So do you have language for that? Would you be interested in language for that? Talk to me. And I will again, um, recommend this amazing, amazing book, Radical Candor, really about communication. I think that is so important. Okay. So 
we spoke about just being to sit in the suck <laughs> and however it looks like for you, right? And then I want to also speak about when you get back to things, right? When you want to slowly get back to things. I will compare it, um, and I think a lot of people with chronic diseases could, could relate, but also probably anyone who has been fit and then, you know, maybe had COVID or had like an injury or something like that and were forced to like stop their fitness routine and then get back. There is the point where you're, you wallow and you sit in the step and you have to do that. You have to rest. You have to let your heart just heal. Let your body heal after, after, after you're sick. You can't like get back to the horse immediately because you're just going to injure yourself, right? So you just got to do what you got to do. And then at some point, you either hear from your doctor and, you know, in a case of physical uh, situation or maybe from your mental health practitioner in different cases, or you just feel it in your bones that you need to, like now the next thing that is really going to be helpful is to get back in the horse and get back into things. But you can't just get back into things right into, you know, the same stage that you were at before, right? Because if you were, let's go back to the to the kind of metaphor of yoga, right? If you were doing yoga every day for two years and then you had to stop for a month, you're, you're not going to get back after a month and immediately be at the same fitness level and be able to endure the same practice length and do everything like just no problem right and that's not even talking about like other stuff like running or you know (laughs) different kinds of work so this is something I'm actually like really experiencing right now I've had COVID for the second time and somehow this the second time I was actually pretty okay during COVID I even did yoga, I worked throughout, I rested, right? But I I was okay. But then actually just a few weeks later, it kind of hit me, uh, the shortness of breath and the kind of just the hit that my fitness level took. And I'm now getting back into yoga and walking and all of those stuff because all of those things really helped me not only physically, uh, but mentally and creatively, and they just make me happier. I know I'm a complete cliche, <laughs> but there is some kind of beginner's humility when you go back to things that you've already done, right? You've already done them, and you're starting from scratch, but it's not completely from scratch because you've already done it, right? But again, you're starting from scratch. And I do highly recommend that you listen to our episode with us, not mentally about starting from scratch. But anyway, I, I digress. So you're starting from scratch, but you have already been there. And then the positive thing is that you know you can do it. You know it might take time and it may not be easy, but you know you are capable. You have that capability in your body and your psyche, you have already done it. So that's very reassuring on one side. On the other side, you have already been there and you know how fun it could be, or you know how calming it could be, or you know how easy 
it can be. But then you're still, you're not there yet. You're now doing it from a different, you're really starting from scratch. And something that could be like so fun and easy and relaxing and maybe feel like resting now feels like very, very hard work. And that could be very, very frustrating. And it just came to me this week while doing like 10 minutes of yoga. And even those 10 minutes, which were mostly stretches and maybe two downward facing dogs, were so hard. And I was thinking about it. This is the meaning of humility because it's humility in the face of what you already know you can do which again is reassuring, but you're not there yet. And it's going to take a time. It's going to take a long time until you get there again. So beginner's humility is when you begin again, you have more data. You know, if you're data-driven like me, you have more data. You know you can do it, but you also feel the gap between what you could do and what you can do. And this really reminded me of this amazing amazingly beautiful and poignant quote by Ira Glass, the Ira Glass who started This American Life, if you're familiar with that. I really, I love this quote so much. I go back to it again and again every couple of years and I wanted to share it with you and with that we will finish. So uh, this piece is called The Gap by Ira Glass and he goes like this. Nobody tells this to people who are beginners And I really wish somebody had told this to me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste. But it's like there is this gap for this first couple of years that you're making stuff. What you're making isn't so good. It's not that great. It's trying to be good. It has ambition to be good. But it's not that good. But your taste, the thing that got you into the game, that's still killer. And your taste is good enough that you can tell that what you're making is kind of a disappointment to you. A lot of people never get past that phase. They quit. Everybody I know who does interesting creative work, says Ira Glass, they went through years where they had really good taste and they could tell that what they were making wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. They knew it fell short. Everybody goes through that, says Ira Glass again. And if you're just starting out, or if you're still in this phase, you gotta know it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is a lot of work. Do a huge volume of work. Put yourself on deadline so that every week or every month, you know you're going to finish one story. It is only by going through a volume of work that you're going to catch up and close that gap. And the work you're making will be as good as your ambition. I took longer to figure out how to do this than anyone I've ever met, he says. It takes a while. It's going to take you a while. It's normal to take a while. You just have to fight your way through that. End quote. So this is again, this is a quote by Ira Glass titled uh, The Gap. And I'll put it in the show notes. And you know what? This is so right for everything. Do I completely agree with his advice to put yourself on deadline? No. But I think what you can take from it, what 
I take from it. It's just the sheer volume. It's not about resilience. It's not about stressing yourself. It's about embracing the fact that in order to close the gap that you yourself are feeling and experiencing, let's put aside any expectation from society, from work, etc. That gap, that unease, that fidgety feeling is about volume and it's about time and it's about giving yourself space and it's about letting yourself suck, right? Whether it's just letting yourself feel sad and desperate or it's letting yourself do work that maybe feels subpar or that it feels like it falls short, like he says. You have to go through it in order to go to get to the other end because that other end is at the other end of it. <laughs> I know this episode was like very much all over the place, but it feels deeply personal to me. And I really feel like it's so important for us to be able to acknowledge what we're going through, to acknowledge suffering, to tell ourselves, hey, this is what you're going through and you deserve a hug and it will not last forever. It won't last forever. And at, at the other end of it is a better feeling, right? And that I think could help us in our lives, in our work, also being just to be more compassionate to others at work. Okay, that's it, folks. Um, <laughs> I was supposed to be out of the door two minutes ago, uh, so I'm going to wrap it up. I love you so much for listening to this. Please, please, please don't hesitate to tell me on Instagram or on the newsletter what you're feeling. Uh, have you experienced stuff like this? How are you dealing with this? How have you dealt with this gap between good taste and just capabilities, whether they're mental, emotional, or creative ones. And I hope you have a great day. And I hope you have a not at all suffering day. And that you can maybe pass this on to someone who can who can use listening to something like this or just use a hug. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Looks Like Work. You can find resources, links, and of course the episode's show notes at roomsandwords.com. That's rooms, like a room, and words, and like an and.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, I really, really hope that you'll like my newsletter too. My newsletter is something that I send out every week, and I share thoughts, links, books and just other things that I find thought-provoking, interesting, somehow contributing to these conversations that we're having here, or sometimes just joyously distracting. Again, the newsletter is sent out every week, and you can find the link to sign up on my website at roomsandwords.com, and I really hope to see you there, and of course to see you here next week. Have a good one!